Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Because it seems right now that Satan is more bold than he's ever been. Can somebody give me a one in the chat? Satan is so bold. He's so radical. He's so out there and he's not hiding what he's doing in our generation. I was thinking about what ex-warlock John Ramirez said Tuesday and I feel so convicted every time John Ramirez gets on here and tells us how aggressive he was in darkness. How when he was working for Satan, he was shocked once he got saved on how the church was not aggressive. And this is what I've been saying. Where is the fight? Where are those that are going to be aggressive? Where are those that are going to challenge the enemy and not give up territory so easy? God is looking for people, come on, help me, that are going to challenge the forces of darkness. Friend, I came to tell you that we are living in a war, that right now there is a battle going on in the unseen realm. Do not lose sight of the battle. Do not get caught up living day to day and forget that we are fighting for something. Friend, right now we are fighting for our families. We are fighting for our friends. We are fighting for our neighbors we are fighting for people all around us and there is a supernatural battle and god has called you to the front lines of this battle we're fighting you're fighting right now for your marriage we are fighting right now for souls god has called you and god has anointed you to fight the kingdom of darkness the enemy is after souls god is after souls so what are you after just getting a job and getting by or understanding this place you have to understand this place is not your home you're not called and you've not been assigned just to get by you have been anointed you've been called to advance the kingdom of god on the earth god has called you to advance his kingdom and i'm not going to shy away from confrontation i have chosen to not run from the battle and you might say when are you going to stop talking about supernatural warfare when everybody else stops starts talking about it there's not enough people blowing the trumpet there's not enough people that are running to battle and i'm not going to be silent in these last days i'm not going to be silent in these times ephesians 5 11 says take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness but instead expose them. So the Bible commands us to expose the works of the enemy. The Bible, come on, share this, commands us to expose the works of darkness. God has called you and God has anointed you to expose the enemy. We are not gonna sit by while the enemy plays games. We're not gonna sit by while the enemy's bold. It's time for the church. Come on, who am I preaching to? Okay, my other camera messed up. We're gonna get it fixed after, praise the Lord. It's time to confront the works of darkness. The devil does not want you to hear this. The devil does not want you to share this. The devil does not want you to be a part of this last day army, these end time warriors, these spiritual snipers that God is raising up. But I refuse to be spiritually ignorant. I refuse to live my life with my head buried under the sand. The Bible says expose evil and expose the works of darkness. Expose means to uncover something. Satan's agenda and Satan's plan for America, listen to me tonight, this is a strong word, is cover or it's hidden. It's covered or hidden and God says, I want you to expose it. Why are we exposing the enemy? Because when the enemy gets exposed, he loses power. 
One of the reasons we talk about different strategies, one of the reasons why we talk about different spirits, one of the reasons why we talk about the tools of the enemy, you say, Isaiah, when you talk about darkness, it brings glory. Well, why would Jesus constantly talk about it? Why would Jesus expose the plans of the enemy? Why would the Bible say that he made a public spectacle of the enemy on the cross if we were not supposed to talk about it? There is no scripture. I know your pastor says this to you, but there's no scripture that says don't talk about the powers of darkness or don't expose the enemy. In fact, the contrary the bible says is to expose the works of the enemy that's one of the reasons why the bible says that when we talk about him he loses power when we speak of him he loses power when we bring sin to the light it loses power that's why in james 5 16 it says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective why would i think about this confess my sin to someone or say my sin out loud to, to somebody because it loses power when i expose it when the enemy is exposed his power is broken he loses his power so this is one of the ways that we expose the enemy by talking about his plans his strategies his works we expose him and he loses power how often do i hear people say at a demon for years ruining my life and i didn't even know about it why did you have think about this a demon for years and not know about it and it was ruining your life because nobody was willing to call it out nobody was willing to expose it and nobody was willing to confront it and the devil remains listen to me closely i don't need an ex warlock to tell me this this is the truth he remains unchallenged he remains unthreatened and he remains in the church doing whatever he wants going where he pleases using who he pleases and pastors say this well he's been defeated on the cross we don't need to talk about overcoming him we've already defeated him jesus has already defeated him but remember he is your enemy the bible says he is your adversary so just like the u.s army gets intel and strategy on their enemy we have to get strategy and intel on the enemy so that we can overcome him i want to be an overcomer the bible says that you are more than overcomers so i don't just want to live my life subject to the powers of the enemy when god has already given me victory and i'm going to show you later a secret weapon i can promise you you've not heard this way that we can use to overcome the strategies of the enemy that the church is not using it's our most powerful weapon i'm going to share with you later but first i want to talk to you about the the origin of lucifer and why the enemy is so bent on destroying you it's incredibly dangerous now i hope you're taking notes we have a lot to cover a lot of scriptures to go over tonight it is incredibly dangerous and as i'm preaching pray for me and to have a powerful, listen to me, active enemy or enemies working against you and to not even be aware of them. There is no more dangerous place to live than to have an enemy against you and to not know who that enemy is and to not be able to fight back against the enemy and to live your life a punching bag for the enemy. And this is where, listen to me, the church is with Satan and his demons. We completely disregard them. We completely ignore them. Even though the Bible says the devil rules the world and all these other things, we say, well, Christ has defeated the enemy, which is true. But what's also true is the Bible says he prowls looking to destroy people. He controls the whole world. He's the ruler of this world. He rules from the air. So these are all verses. So you can't just throw out well, Christ has defeated the enemy, we don't have to do anything, and then take away all the other verses that show that the enemy has a kingdom that is opposing us. And God has called us to be spiritual snipers. He's called you to be a spiritual warrior. You're not weak, you're not anemic, 
You're not a grasshopper. You've been anointed and called by God. Why is it so serious? Because I'm tired of watching you guys live under the standard that God has called you to live. I'm tired of watching people not live the victorious life and conquer the enemy. But because we're taking things out of context, we have an enemy that has a major advantage over us because no one's willing to expose his works or even acknowledge his existence. And this is all part of his plan. And listen to me, friend, we are playing into the Satan's strategy and the Satan's playbook by preaching a gospel that ignores darkness, ignores Satan's strategy, and says it's no big deal, live your life defeated, and keep quoting scriptures, but they aren't realities. I don't just want to quote that I'm a conqueror. I actually want to be a conqueror. I actually want to overcome the enemy. And so by exposing his works, we are going to overcome the enemy. Now, Paul makes this so clear. This is good type one in Ephesians chapter six, where he says we are fighting invisible spirits. These are spirit beings. They're invisible. And these are people we're fighting with no flesh and blood and no bodies. So we battle not against flesh and blood. They have no bodies. They're invisible, but we are warring against them. And a lot of people only consider things that we can touch, things that we can hear, things that we can see, and only things that are in our natural senses, but we fail to ignore the invisible world that is just as real as the natural realm. In fact, let me take that back. It's not just as real. It is more real. Paul says that this natural world is fleeting and the things that we don't see are eternal. The sensory world, friend, the things you can touch, my camera right here that I'm touching, my desk, my water bottle, these are, these are sensory. These are sensory, these are temporary and they are fleeting, but what's in the invisible realm is eternal. The natural world is passing away. I don't know if you know this, but your house and your car and everything you're living for is going to pass away. It's dying. Right now, Paul says it's dying. And this is why we can't live our lives working for a house and working for a car and working to climb corporate America because all the things you're acquiring, as you're acquiring them, they are dying right now the idols that's why the bible says don't worship the idols and the things of this world because they're dying they're they're idols made with hands so you have to understand that right now every second that passes the temporary realm is dying your body i hate to say this every second is is dying it's one step closer to death and one day you're going to exist in the eternal realm and in the spiritual realm so when it comes to inviting to fighting invisible enemies we have to start saying this listen to me this will change your life i am not going to limit myself to only warring against what i can see or hear but i'm gonna now begin to war against those things this is what the devil hates he doesn't want you to hear I'm going to begin to war against those things that are in the invisible realm. So many of us are fighting things in the wrong realm. Now, maybe you just got saved and you're like, I'm so confused. Why do certain people not like me anymore that used to like me? I'm confused. Why is it this person that used to love me doesn't love me anymore? It's because the spirit on the inside of them, listen to me loud tonight, does not like the new spirit that is on the inside of you. I had old friends. I could not understand this loved me thought i was the best thing ever wanted to hang out every day the moment i got full of the holy spirit listen to me before i ever said anything about god before i ever witnessed or shared with anybody they all of a sudden went from loving me to i would sit and have lunch with them and they couldn't stand me i had one of my old best friends say i don't know why just i don't like you anymore and this was before i even told him what god did to me he's like i just don't like you i'm angry towards you see here's what happened i, I didn't understand it at the time what happened was the Holy Spirit came inside of me 
and the unholy spirit that's living in them, the demons that are living in them, don't like what's now living in me. So before I didn't have the Holy Spirit, now I do. So recognize it's not you they don't like. It's the spirit living on the inside of you. Maybe you have a family member that's dealing with addiction and you know what it's like to fight their addiction, but you don't realize you're not battling their heroin addiction. You're not battling their alcohol addiction. You're not battling any specific thing. The only thing that you're battling is the spirit that's behind their addiction. Maybe you have a kid that's bent to rebellion and anger and you're fighting your kid and you're grounding him over and over. Come on, can I get a one in the chat? And this kid is just rebellious. You ground him, time out. You've done everything. You've sent him away to his uncle's house to do yard work. I mean, come on, help me. You've tried everything and there's nothing you can do to help him. You've, you've fought with him, spanked him, done everything. You have to understand, you must arrest the spirit in the invisible. That's what you're fighting. You're fighting a rebellious spirit that's battling, that's inside of him that you're battling. So you need to begin to war in the spirit. Maybe this would cause you to pray more for your spouse than get into shouting matches with them because now you understand there's a spirit that's functioning behind my husband or wife. And so guess what? I'm not gonna argue or debate or go back and forth in these endless debates of therapy and this. I'm going to win the battle in the spirit. I'm gonna win the battle in prayer. I'm gonna go after them in the spirit, spiritual realm and I'm gonna win the war in the spiritual realm. I'm not fighting in the natural realm. This is the true key, friend. Listen to me, to living the Christian life victorious. This is the reason why so many Christians are bound. They are not aware of the war. So you have invisible enemies all around, but you're ignorant. So what do you do? You go through life, Sunday to Sunday, thinking the devil's no big deal. The devil's been defeated and he has been. I'll show you that later on the cross. But because you're not appropriating the victory of the cross, you're not appropriating the victory and understanding how to take dominion, understanding his strategies, understanding his plans and understanding his schemes. Here's what happens. Your family lives subject to him. Your kids live subject to him. And you know what your pastor says? Just keep praying harder. Come on, help me. Am I preaching strong tonight? Just be a little bit more sincere and everything's going to work out. When the Bible says in Ephesians, expose the works of darkness. Now, when you don't know the plans and strategies of the enemy, you give him an advantageous position over you. So we're dealing with two opposing kingdoms at war, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And guess where you are? You're right in the middle and you must choose the side that you are on. So you can't escape this battle because you have cute theology and you have a cute Jesus. You can't escape this battle because you go to a nice service on Sunday morning. You are in the middle of a battle and you're either gonna be a prisoner of war, a casualty, or a warrior. And I'm not gonna live my life a prisoner of something God gave me victory over. And believe me, if you're here like, is all you're gonna do is talk about the devil? Believe me, I'm gonna share some secrets and we're gonna talk about the victory over the enemy with the cross here soon. Just stay with me. Satan is the commander and the chief demons, the Bible says. He's the chief of all demons and he's running from the very top of his kingdom. So we must be aware of who Satan is. If you ask most believers, who's the devil? What does he do? Why did he fall? Most believers are completely ignorant. Again, bad theology says, don't talk about him. Yet the Bible has a lot to say about him. In Isaiah 14, we are introduced to a supernatural being, I hope you're taking notes, called Lucifer. So the Latin root Lucifer means the one that brings light. In Hebrew, the word translates to the morning star. And in any language, it translates to the radiant, shining, and glorious being. So this is Lucifer. This is before he was Satan, before he's the devil. 
He's this shining, bright, brilliant morning star that God created. And many believe, many scholars and Hebrew grammarian, grammarians believe that Lucifer was an archangel. What is an archangel? An archangel is an angel that rules over other angels. Arch means to rule over something, okay? Archangel being an angel ruling over angels. There's arch, archbishops, archbishops, that's the word arch. If you look at principality, it's the word arch. It all goes to ruling over something. So we we believe, I believe, most people believe that there's three archangels in scripture, okay? There's Lucifer is an archangel, Michael's an archangel, and Gabriel is an archangel. Now, very close, listen to me very close and pay attention. The Bible only says that Michael is an archangel. Does not say that Gabriel or Lucifer is, but just because the Bible doesn't say they're not, or it says that it doesn't say they are, doesn't mean they're not. So it doesn't mean Gabriel and Lucifer aren't. These are just, on, the Bible only labels Michael as one, okay? So you got to know that a lot of believers believe, or a lot of scholars believe, that it's Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And this would make sense because remember, when Lucifer fell and became Satan, when he got cast down, you have to remember one third of the angels rebelled with him, which makes sense because many believe he's in control. And that's what I also believe he was in control of one, one third. So it does make sense that he's an archangel. So at some point, Lucifer's in heaven ruling over one third of the angels. At some point, he was overtaken by his own glory, his own looks, his own power that the devil, Lucifer at the time, tried to make himself equal to God and rebelled against God. Here's what Isaiah 14, 12. We're going to go over a lot of scripture tonight. Isaiah 14, 12 says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Notice the phrase though, and Isaiah 14, 13 is going to occur. The phrase, I will, listen to me, is going to occur five times in the next two verses. And this is showing Lucifer's will. He had free will in heaven to go against the will of God. In Isaiah 14, 13 through 14, it says this, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And here's his final, I will. I will be like the most high God. So Lucifer's desire, okay, and this is going to make sense when we, as we expose him tonight, Lucifer's desire was to elevate himself to a place where he was equal to God. And he had one day thought to himself, wait a minute, I can be God. And this is one of the secret strategies, okay? And I get chills talking about this because it's so real. This is one of the secret strategies that Lucifer, Satan, is using to this day, is to make humanity their own God. This is, friend, listen to me, the path of Satanism. If you don't know about Satanism, I'm going to tell you what it is. A lot of Satanists do not believe in Satan being a literal figure. They don't believe in the devil. A lot of Satanists, here's what they believe. They believe that they all, we all, as Satanists, they all have a pathway to be their own gods. So the path to Satanism, and this is from, I'm talking Anton LaVey, the one that founded the Church of Satan. He did not believe in Satan as a literal fallen angel. That's not what he believed. He believed that we all can be gods in our own eyes, and the path to Satanism is to be your own god. So in essence, it's this. Whatever makes you happy, whatever brings you pleasure, do it. So Satan tells us, you don't need anyone ruling over you. You don't need anyone telling you what to do. Do whatever you want. Everything goes. And as long as it brings you pleasure, listen to me, young people, as long as it brings you pleasure and happiness and the devil's so mad tonight, it's okay. And I want you right now to stop. And if you're like, I don't believe this is true. Stop right now and look at our world. What does our world consist of? Everything goes. 
Every abomination you can think of is okay right now. You can dress how you want. Clothes are getting skimpier. Shows are getting more perverted. It's just how can we continue to press the envelope? Every single day, we get closer and closer. More pressing the envelope, pressing on the Why? Because there's no limits. Because Satan says, you don't need God. This is what he's been telling you. You don't need God. What's wrong is right and what's right is wrong and there's no limits and there's no rules and just everybody get along and everything goes and don't be a bigot and don't speak against culture and don't speak on demons and don't speak about anything and just be positive. Has this mentality not slipped into the modern church? I mean, where's the standard in the mega church? You can drink and you can party and what is it? Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Do whatever pleasures you. And this is what young people are learning on all these platforms. Whatever makes you happy, whatever feels good right now, trade your bowl of soup, trade your inheritance for a bowl of soup because it temporarily satisfies the flesh. This was the first strategy. Praise the Lord, we broke 3,000, shared the broadcast. This is the first strategy of Satan is to make you think you can be your own God. Now, I know many of you are like, well, brother, I would never do that. I would never be my own God. But friend, understand this is the, the subtle lies of creating your own career, doing your own thing, raising the family, we'll get into this deeper, and having your own way. And then at the end of your life, you're like, well, I'll just serve God. And we're gonna get in this deeper. I don't wanna get too ahead of myself, but you need to understand the plan and the strategy we're exposing them tonight is to get you to think you can be your own God. There's no limits, there's no rules. That's Satanism, friend. Some of you think Satanism was witchcraft, I watched an interview recently with one of the founding, the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, who's passed away, his daughter, who um, was doing an interview, and she was like, my father didn't even believe in Satan. He didn't believe in, they don't, they, I don't, we don't believe in demons like that. We believe that we can ascend, the path of ascension is to be your own God. And this is what Lucifer was trying to do in heaven. He was trying to be his own God. And listen to this, he convinced one third of the angels to do the same thing. And here's God's response to him in Isaiah 14, 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So God says, okay, Satan, you want to be your own, let me say Lucifer, you want to be your own God? You want to exalt yourself above me? You want to remove constraint, remove rules? Say that people don't need me to govern over them? Here's what I have to say about you. You will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That's Isaiah 14, 15. Now in Ezekiel 28, 12, we also see another description of Lucifer. Here's what it says. Listen to this about Lucifer. And this is going to start making sense because you're going to realize the devil's not as nasty as you think in your image, in your mind. Here's what it says. In Ezekiel 28, 12, you were a seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is what the Bible's saying about say, Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, diamonds, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and gold. So here's this incredible being with every type of gemstone you can think of. The Bible says the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. So here's Satan, here's Lucifer, emeralds, jewels, onyxes, every beautiful thing you can think of. Plus there's some type of instrument coming out of his body, built into his body on the day he was created. Now it's widely believed and accepted that Lucifer was responsible for leading worship in heaven. Again, let me make something clear. The Bible does not say this explicitly, but this is what Bible scholars believe, but it's what I believe. So we know he was a musical expert and he had some type of musical instruments grafted into him. 
So what are we, what is the point? Here we see another strategy we're exposing. Satan is using on the earth even now music to sway and control an entire generation. Can I get a one in the chat? Think about how acceptable music is. You can literally think about this. This is mind blowing to me. You can rap or sing. You can literally rap or sing the most perverted things ever and get away with it. Now, if you got on a broadcast and said drugs, money, girls, killing, and all the stuff that rappers say, you'd get canceled, right? Cancel culture. This person's disgusting. They're perverted. They're nasty. Cancel them. But if you sing about it or you rap about it, come on, 3,100 of you, you can literally say or do whatever you want because you're rapping about it or singing about it. The number one billboard song, this was like breaking records for how long was the WAP. Now don't look this up what the WAP means. It's, it's disgusting. Okay. It's explicit. Friend, you got to understand if the WAP, which is something extremely sexual, is the number one song of our generation for months on end and everybody's singing it. Like you're in your car with your kids singing it. And think about this, you don't even know what you're singing. Like culture is so out there because they don't know what they're singing, but they're willing to sing it. And you're telling me Lucifer, Satan is not using music to control them. Now here's what he does. He uses it to normalize perversion, sexuality, deception, witchcraft, control, and everything else. It's making witchcraft normal, sexual sin normal. So he's using it to mind control. Music mind controls people. It perverts, it destroys. Music has supernatural power. Songs can bring emotions. Songs can bring desires. Songs can make you angry. Songs can make, yeah, we're exposing them. Come on, type expose in the chat. Songs can make you happy. They influence our world supernaturally more than you realize because there's something happening during music that's happening in the unseen realm. You think of all these celebrity artists that talk about Illuminati and being in witchcraft. And I was just listening to a testimony of a rapper who just got saved. He encountered Jesus in a dream. And now he's exposing everything going on in the music industry. It will blow your mind how dark it is in the music industry. Now, why so much? Why not so much acting? Why is it so prevalent in music? Because Lucifer was in charge of music. This is where he has his power. And this is where he plays. So don't sit here and tell me it's no big deal, brother. I like the beat because you're going to like the beat all the way to hell if you're not careful. Don't say we're going, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Friend, listen, I'm going to say something strong here and I'm going to lose a couple of you. I don't care. I'll gain some more that are serious about God. Why are we still arguing over secular and Christian music? I want you to ask you, why do you still have? You tell me, you tell me. Why is there still worldly music on your iPod, iPad, or I'm sorry, iPad, iPhone? What, what am I, in the 1900s? Why is there still worldly music on your iPhone? Why is there still worldly CDs in your car? Why is there still worldly music on your laptop? Why are you still on TikTok listening to worldly music? Why do you still have worldly Pandora? Oh, oh I used to listen to it when I was a teenager, it brings back memories. What, memories of being depressed? Memories of partying? I don't understand this. Why are we still arguing? Why are these mega church watered down preachers saying worldly music is okay? I'm constantly hearing this on YouTube when I'm looking at YouTube videos of mega church pastors saying worldly music is okay. Why? Why is that? These are the same guys that are cheating on their wives, addicted to pornography, and living compromised lifestyle. And they're telling you music's no big deal. Choose today to throw it all music, throw all of it that doesn't glorify God. Isaiah, I can't really feel it changing me or affecting me. That's the point. 
By the time you can feel it changing you, it's already too late. Young people, listen to me. I don't care if you like the beat or it's Justin Bieber. It doesn't matter. It's not bringing honor and glory to God. It's not bringing praise to God. There is only Satan. Here's what I'm trying to show you tonight. There is only Satan and there is God. There's no middle God that you can serve. There's only two masters. And so break it. I don't care what's a love song. It's oldies. I don't care how old it is. I don't care if it's from the 1300s. It's time to get rid of worldly music. Don't do a 30 day. Oh, I'm just fasting worldly music. What does that even mean? Get rid of it once and for all. There should be zero. If you're serious about God, now listen, if you're this frosted flakes once in a week, yo, yo, you who Christian, you just kind of like stumbled in here and you're not interested in going in the next level for God. You're going to tune me out anyway. So you can be here. Praise the Lord. We love you. You're probably going to go to heaven, but barely. I don't want to barely make it. As Paul said, some of you are going to barely be saved. I'm not, that's not where I'm at. I'm not trying to raise a community of barely make it believers. I'm trying to go as far as I can go in God. Friend, the only thing that's going to matter on my deathbed is how much did I do for God? So I'm not going to live my life compromise, letting the enemy have a foothold. So you need to understand that the de- Lucifer had extreme power when it comes to music. Ezekiel 28, 14 says, you are the anointed cherub. We're talking about Lucifer who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth. This is about Lucifer in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now listen to this. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the firing stones. I want you to see a word here that appears when Ezekiel writes this. He says this, listen very closely, okay? This is very serious. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within you and you sinned, okay? by the abundance of your trading. Well, what in the world does that mean? I'm going to show you. Trading in the Hebrew means to go up and down as a tail bearer, as an agitator, having some type of secret, okay? Today, here's what we call it. I'm going to try to make it simple here. Campaigning or lobbying. Here's what it's saying. I'm going to to translate for you. When it says he was trading, it's saying this. Lucifer alienated the loyalty of the angels. Okay, so he took the loyalty, the one-third of the angels, alienated them, took their loyalty and here's how he did it by going back and forth among the angels and here's what he was doing he was saying look at me see how beautiful and intelligent i am don't you think that i would make a better ruler than god sitting up there on his throne and you know god doesn't really appreciate you you know god doesn't really care about you if you join me i'll give you a much higher position larger influence larger following in my kingdom than you have right now so he's lobbying he's campaigning it's like when they go out to try to get you to to um vote for them right he's trying to get votes he's campaigning the bible says trying to get you to rebel against the majesty and the will of god and he convinced the angels going back and forth and convinced the angels to follow him he told the angels you're not being utilized God doesn't even care about you. He's this accuser of God, putting God on trial, does not, we're exposing him. Here we go, another strategy here. Get ready to write this down. He still does this in churches. There's that one person that goes AWOL, starts going to all the other members saying, you're not utilized at this church. The pastor doesn't see your gift. 
You're not anointed as the pa as you're just as anointed as the pastor. You could be doing a better job than the leader. You could start your own church. Isaiah's really not that good. Why don't you have a bigger platform? And why aren't you this? And why don't you try to come and get some of his followers? And you should have your own meetings and you should have your own services. And why don't you start your own worship team? And this is the way the devil splits churches by getting tail bearers tail bearers to lobby against leadership tail bearers are those that carry secrets they're always telling secrets and they're walking around leviticus 19 16 says so you shall not go about as a tail tail bearer among your people this verse is talking about slandering someone bringing false accusations so satan lucifer was going about bringing false accusations he was falsely accusing god listen to me closely and we're going to talk in the weeks to come about what he did in the garden but he's falsely accusing god of being a tyrant of someone that only cared about god only cares about himself he doesn't really care about you if god really cared about you he would have already healed you by now if god really cared about you you would have already been married if god really cared about you you'd be living in that new house and so he's going back and forth lying to the other angels about the nature of god no appreciation for god no appreciation for anything he's trying to get the angels to change their view and he convinced the bible says he was trading he convinced one third of the angels. So Lucifer got the other angels to believe that he would give them, listen to me, a much better position and deal than God was giving them. Again, what he does today, he tells you, I have something better for you than God. What he can give you is so much funner than what God can give you. God is boring. God is not fun. God does not want you to have pleasure. Friend, you better listen to me. I'm going to smack you over the head with this. God created pleasure. God created pleasure. He invented pleasure. And we have this lie that God does not want you to have pleasure. God is boring. God doesn't want you to have fun. That is a lie that Lucifer has created. Religion has created. If you're listening right now, I know many of you, it's your first time. There's 3,400 of you. Praise the Lord. God is a fun God. I've done the party, the lifestyle, the drinking, the sleeping, the, all the stuff. The life I'm living now is infinitely more pleasurable, infinitely funner than the life that I used to live because the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a tail bearer and his promises are empty. I'm telling you right now, he makes all these promises. That's why all the movie stars and celebrities and artists are all empty and depressed and have every mental illness you can imagine because Satan is a deceiver. He gives you promises that will, he'll never fulfill. I break it now. I break every lie now in Jesus name. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And Satan is a liar. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. And God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And God wants to give you a beautiful life. He wants to give you joy and a family and true pleasure. And this Satan, Lucifer is a liar. So what was, let's ask this, the major sin that caused all of this. Like what was the sin Think about this, that caused Lucifer to be thrown out of heaven. The first sin to ever exist. Well, Ezekiel 28, 17 tells us, I'm not making this up. I'm giving you all scriptures. It says your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The number one sin, you got it in the chat, was pride. It was the first sin. The very first sin that caused Lucifer to fall. The first sin ever did not take place on earth. It took place in heaven understand that lucifer sinned in the presence of god there was no sin in heaven it was complete perfection yet the bible says sin iniquity was found on the inside of him so do not sit here and think because you're a pastor because you're in a good marriage or a good environment it's impossible for you to sin if lucifer did it in heaven we cannot live our lives prideful now my shirt literally says stay humble because pride will tell you pride will tell you you're exempt isaiah you're never gonna fall 
put your guard down you know you're perfect and you're doing everything right and you're above reproach and no one can tell you anything and everything's fine that's what pride's going to tell you Humility says, I have to live humble. I have to stay under the shadow of the Almighty. I have to stay on the cross. I have to stay crucified, have leaders, accountability in my life. I can't let any safeguards down because even Isaiah Salvador is not exempt from the first sin was not idolatry. It was not fornication. It was not witchcraft. It was not lying. The first sin was pride. And this is the danger. Listen to me closely. That millions of churchgoers would never do any of these blatant sins. They would never go fornicate, do drugs, do witchcraft, but they don't realize how dangerous pride is. They don't realize how destructive pride is. And the Bible says that God resists the proud. It says pride is an abomination to God. See, he, he was so beautiful, the Bible says he became proud. And this is another major issue in our generation. Our generation is all about looks, followers clout fame and beauty and it's producing i believe the most prideful generation to ever exist that does not believe they need god so maybe you have pride tonight you don't even realize it and the reason many of us don't pray you have no prayer life is because of pride that's why you don't pray when you don't pray you're in turn saying i don't need god i can handle things on my own which is a form of pride so understand that pride doesn't go Oh, I'm proud. I'm better than everybody. You don't have to do be that to do to be prideful. Being prideful means I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast. I don't need to be taught the word of God. I don't need to get delivered. These are all pride, all prideful things because you think you're above getting help. You think you're above getting deliverance. And you need to ask the Lord tonight, take my pride. I don't want any pride. It's disgusting to God and it's disgusting to me. One thing I personally can't deal with, you say, Isaiah, what is your biggest pet peeve? It's pride. If there is a person or a minister who's proud, I will not hang out with them. It disgusts me. Pride was what transitioned Lucifer from being Lucifer to being Satan. I've been to many pastors and all they talk about is their ministry, themselves, their following, what they're doing, me, 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 I, 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 I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go there and there's no God, there's no humility and it's disgusting to me, it's pride and it's a plan and a strategy of the enemy and we need a generation that's going to humble themselves, that's going to say it's not about looks and that's why guys, I don't understand, listen, I know I'm going to step on feet here, I got to be careful what I say because I'm just going to offend a bunch of you and I don't want too many of you to unfollow me, praise the Lord, but that's what our selfie generation is about. It's about beauty. Now, Satan fell. Now, let me just, I know you're, what you're gonna say, oh brother, how are you gonna connect, make the connection? Let me make the connection. Lucifer is so beautiful, so radiant, so shining. He fell because he looked so good. The Bible says pride rised up on the inside of him. Some believe he looked in the crystal lake, saw how beautiful he was and pride started. Be very careful. Listen to me, ladies. Okay, some of you guys that are posting your six pack on Instagram, let me, let me just say this. Be very, very careful when you're posting selfies every day. Be very careful when every TikTok video, every Instagram post is you. I, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you don't have to post pictures of yourself. I'm not saying that you're not pretty, you're not beautiful, okay, you don't have a nice six pack. I'm not gonna argue none of that with you. I'm just letting you know, is it possible that all of the selfies of our generation are a form of pride? Is it possible that Satan fell because of beauty? Our generation's obsessed with beauty and some of us are getting filled with pride because all we care about is more likes, more shares, more selfies. And I'm not, listen, I'm not being haughty here. I have never posted a selfie ever. I, I follow some guy pastors and I'm not lying to you. I unfollow them. They're great men of God. They preach a great word. But I'm like, you're a grown man. Why are you making duck lips? You're a grown man. Why are you taking selfies? 
Why are you flexing? You're married and you have three kids and you're a pastor of a large church. Nobody wants to see you flexing at the gym. Like why? You have all these young girls following all these ministers. Several of them have fallen and I hope more do fall that get exposed. And they're posting pictures in their swim shorts flexing. And these are pastors and we're like, oh, praise the Lord, you're so blessed. What? And we have young people. People ask like, why don't you wear short sleeve? I just don't feel it's appropriate. I just don't feel to be on this broadcast. Now, listen, I got nothing to show off, okay? I lost like 10 pounds last go. I got nothing anyways to show. But I'm like, I can't even imagine posting a, a picture of myself with no shirt. I literally, it's so out of the realm of my mind or a flexing picture or a picture at the gym. If I was ripped, okay? If I was like the most ripped guy you've ever seen, I still wouldn't do it because I know what pride does. And I'm going like, I'm, I'm going to be 30 years old next week. I got no business. Duck lips in the mirror. Come on, guys. Knock it off before I unfollow you. I just see some guys. I'm going like, pride. It's all about you. Now, ladies, it's, it's happening in our generation. I just, listen, I'm not trying to deter you again. If that's what you do and you're like, I'm into modeling, praise the Lord. Model for the glory of God. Whatever you do, I'm not here to debate you. But I just want to caution you. Is it possible that we've allowed pride to set into our generation because we're so absorbed with self. Self. You know what a selfie stands for? Self. It's about me. Think about this. We're the only generation. Okay, y'all are getting quiet up in the chat. Y'all are sweating. We're the only generation that has ever taken pictures of ourselves, made a page about ourselves. Like we make an entire page profile. What do I like? What do I do? What do I eat? Post what we're eating. And then we post it and we sit and we refresh our feed and we wait for people to like us like that's all they're doing is liking us so don't tell me that it's not the enemy working in our generation don't tell me now you might say it's just innocent brother relax i'm just letting you know what the bible says and i'm letting you know what started satan's fall this was how it all started it was his beauty the bible says that he started seeing himself pride yeah i'm sorry i'm gonna have to unfollow some people after this because i'm thinking about some guys i know it's just you post way too much stuff i love your family i would love to see more of you and your family but i'm just not interested in seeing you at the gym or seeing what you're doing or seeing your duck lips it's just i have no interest in it you have to have break off this mentality of it's all about me and it's all about self we need to get delivered from self we need to break through 1200 on facebook praise the lord so there's five I wills. Let me go through these quickly and then I'm gonna give you the secret weapon against the enemy. Okay, we're going, we're going long. We weren't live Friday, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm feeling it, let's go. The first thing Satan did, we're gonna go quick here. When Satan just said, I will, and this was what literally tells us why he fell, was I will ascend into heaven. He wanted to ascend and be, now you might say, how would he ascend into heaven? He's already in heaven. This was him saying, I'm gonna ascend into the position of God. I want to be God. I want to be the God in my own eyes, in my own mind. And this is the devil has been doing this ever since because he wants to take God's place in your life. He wants to have you praise him. He wants to have you worship him. He wants to have you serve him. He wants to have you pledge your allegiance to humanism. Now, it's not going to be direct Satan, satanic worship. It's going to be you worshiping self. Now, some of you might say, Isaiah, I would never worship Satan. I would never serve him. This is irrelevant. But understand this, okay? Listen closely. By ignoring God, by denying God, by rebelling against God, this is exactly what you're doing. Remember, there's only two gods. There's an uppercase God and a lowercase God. So when I deny, think about this, the uppercase God, by default, I'm serving the lowercase God. And that's why the Bible says the entire world is under the control of the devil. So this is by default. So Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's only two masters. So remember, Satan is hidden. 
So by you not serving God, you're by default serving the enemy. He uses and abuses you, and then when he's done with you, he tosses you to the side. And I feel so bad for all these celebrities being used by him and don't even know it because Satan wants to take God's place in your life and make you the God of your life. So in turn, he's the God of your life because he's not going to say, come down and worship me. He doesn't show up in horns. Demons don't show up and say, worship me. No one in America mostly would do that. So how do we worship Satan? How does he become God? By making you God he in turn becomes God. Because remember, the path to Satan is, is worship self, praising self, and being my own God. And by being your own God, you're by default worshiping Satan because there's only two rulers and there's only two gods. Okay, the second I will was this. I will exalt, type one of this is good, my throne above the stars of God. So you're like, what does that mean? Satan wanted to gain authority over all the other angels. He wanted to exalt himself above the stars. The term stars in the Bible refers to angels. Remember the seven letters in the book of Revelation, the stars, the messengers, these refer to angels. Remember, he ruled one third of the angels as an archangel, and he wanted to rule the angels that Michael ruled and the angels that Gabriel ruled. So he was looking to expand his sphere of influence over the other angels. And this would make Satan the ultimate authority over the angels in heaven. Now, why did he want to do that? Because if I could gain control over all the angels, what happens now? I could convince all of them to rebel, not just one third of them. And I can take ultimate authority in heaven and taking the place of God over the angels. So now I can be the God over all the angels. Revelation 12, 4 describes the fall of the angels. And because the devil can't control the angels now, he wants to control you. He wants to make decisions for you. He wants to manipulate you. He wants to dominate you. Satan is a complete control freak. When we're talking about him, remember, Satan can only be one place at one time. So you might be saying, well, you keep talking about Satan. What does it matter to me? He can only be in one place at one time. Remember, he uses his demons because he's the prince over all demons, the chief of demons, the Bible says, to do his work and bidding so that when we talk about Satan or Satan wants to do something, we're talking about demons synonymously, okay? So demons love to control. They love to dominate and they love to have their way and control things of your life. He says that I will sit upon the mount. This is the third I will. I will sit upon the mount of congregation from the sides of the north. What in the world does that mean? This means he wants to rule where God rules. Because when you see the north side in scripture, okay, north, it relates to the presence of God. So he said, I want to sit upon the congregation from the sides of the north. And this is what he was saying. I want to control, think about this, the area that God is supposed to control. The area that God controls, the realm that God controls, I want to control. And now because he can't, because he was cast down, he wants to control, again, our tongue, which God should be controlling. He wants to control our relationships, which God could be, should be in control of. He wants to control your mind and your thoughts, your decisions, where God should be controlling. Everything God should be controlling, Satan now wants to control. So if you've not given God complete control tonight, you need to because any area that God does not have control in, you leave it open to Satan taking over control. The battle in the light in your life right now is who has control, who has the most power, who has the most real estate. And this is why it's important that you go all in for God and go all in for the kingdom because whatever you're not in for God, you're giving the enemy control over. So don't leave any room for Satan to control you or to manipulate you, okay? Number four, he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. A hundred out of 150 uses of the word clouds in the King James has to do with God's divine glory. So a hundred times you see the word clouds, it's the divine glory of God. So Satan wanted glory for himself, 
that surpassed the glory of God, okay? He said, I'm going to go above the heights of the clouds, the cloud being the glory of God. Now, Paul reveals Satan's ultimate desire and tells us what's going to happen prior to Christ's return. And this will be the great rebellion in 2 Thessalonians 2.4. And the Bible says he will exalt himself. So before Christ comes, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call good and every object of worship or everything people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming to be himself God. So before Christ returns, Satan is going to exalt himself and defy everything that people call good. There's going to be a great rebellion of the Antichrist. And he will sit in the temple of God and he's going to claim to be God. He's going to try this again, friend. The Antichrist is going to try this. To reign in the temple and call himself God. So Satan ultimately is looking for your life to bring him glory. And he wants glory. He wants to receive glory. That's why all these movie stars and artists, when they perform and do all their little demonic spells and Illuminati, they're bringing the devil glory. Okay. Number five, and the last I will of Satan that caused him to fall was, I will be like the Most High God. El Elohim is the name for God, meaning the Most High. And in Genesis 14, it describes the Most High God as the possessor of heaven and earth. This is the owner. God has the title. Listen to me. The deed to heaven and earth. God owns it. So when he said, I will be like the Most High God, he's talking about El Elohim. Elohim, which is the name of God, meaning the most high, the most high God. I'm sorry, my tongue's getting twisted here. All right, I've been sick for a week. Praise the Lord. Okay, Genesis 14, the most high God as the possessor of heaven and earth. So he wants complete control over heaven and earth. These were the things he was trying to do. These were, This was his mission statement, the five I wills. And God says no and cast him down. Satan's desire and his longing, listen to me closely, is complete control over the earth and the heavenly realms. This is all about a global takeover. He's an imitator. And this is why John Ramirez has said several times in our podcast, they would imitate what Christians would do. Now, in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk about the origin of sin on the earth, some of the ways Satan keeps trying to continue to deceive humanity. But I want to talk to you. Give me like 10 Pentecostal minutes, okay? We're 50 minutes in. I want to talk to you about our secret weapon against Satan. Now, you said, Isaiah, you've been talking about Satan. You've been talking about his power. You talked about the origin of Lucifer, how he was, what he was. You described him. But what is our secret weapon against the enemy? What is our secret power that God has given us that we very rarely talk about in churches? Now, the reason why we rarely talk about it is because Satan is terrified about it. We've talked about the power of God in our broadcast, the armor of God, the power of praise, the power of agreement, and many different spiritual weapons. But tonight I want to talk to you for about 10 minutes about another secret weapon that we have underutilized, and that is, write this down, the power of the cross. The power of the cross. Friend, Satan hates this revela re revelation and this reality more than anything else or any other revelation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message, listen to me, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So I want you to see what, what Paul is saying. The message of the cross, he correlates it to this, is to the saved, to us, to the believer, the power of God. So there is unlimited power and unlimited authority in the power of the cross that we don't use. I mean, ask yourself this. The Bible says they've overcome by the bloodline and the word of their testimony. When have we used the power of the cross of the enemy and what does the power of the cross do over the enemy and what does it do for us in spiritual warfare? 
Now, you have to understand that for those that are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. Death to self is foolishness. Deliverance from this age is foolishness. Deliverance from the flesh is foolishness. But to us, this is the power of God. And I want to understand you to understand something clear because we talk a lot about the enemy. We talk about a lot about his power. I hope you're still with me. I want you to understand something. And I cannot say this loud enough, clear enough, long enough. Through the cross, Jesus administered a total eternal irrevocable unmeasurable defeat to satan and his kingdom if you want to know how was satan and his entire kingdom i'm talking about completely destroyed irrevocable unrepairable it was through the cross of jesus there is no other way the enemy's defeated don't let anyone lie to you with his new age christianity a lot of pastors are not preaching this churches are not teaching this this is 100 percent Listen to me tonight. Can I get a shout in the chat? The power of what Jesus did on the cross that triumphed over the enemy. The cross was a nuclear warhead to Satan's kingdom to which there would be no recovery. Satan wouldn't, oh, I love this. I, I just feel, I know I could feel the devil getting mad. Satan would never recover from what Christ did to him on that cross. He'll never recover. He was bankrupt. His stock market collapsed. He lost everything. The Super Bowl 100 times over, the NBA Finals 1,000 times over, was stripped of his power, and to this day, 2,000 years later, would never recover because of the power. And I'm telling somebody tonight that I believe and I still believe that there is unmeasurable power in the cross. I believe tonight by the power of the cross, somebody is going to get delivered. By the power of the cross, somebody is going to get set free. By the power of the cross, somebody's kids are coming home. That I'm telling you that your secret weapon against the enemy in this last day generation, your secret weapon against the powers of darkness, don't let anyone lie as it doesn't preach the cross it is all about the cross what jesus did on the cross the finished work is the power that we have over the enemy and in another broadcast i'm going to talk about the blood but this is i want to focus on the power of the cross and this is why the devil hates the message of the cross nothing makes him more furious like right now those demons many of you are going to start manifesting the demons are pacing angry when we preach the message of the cross and this is why he's gonna do everything he can to make sure that you never understand the power of what jesus did on the cross satan is working overtime to downplay the power of the cross to downplay what jesus did on the cross because it means for him complete and total destruction every time he's reminded of the cross complete and total destruction now some people might say crosses are bad because we end up nobody's worshiping the cross okay i don't have a, a cross i don't have i don't have any cross necklace but when you hang up a cross or have a cross in your house it's not no one's going to worship it it's a reminder of what christ did on the cross so some of you might think it's wrong i don't think it's wrong now i don't think you should rub it and pray to it but i, I don't think there's anything wrong about having a cross on your shirt or a cross necklace because you're reminding the enemy of the work that jesus did the cross was where satan lost his grip the cross was where his power was stripped from him the cross was where death hell and the grave lost their sting it was by the sacrifice of jesus on the cross god has done all that will ever be needed for any human in history period listen to me there is nothing more that god will or can do for humanity that's needed that needs to be added to what jesus did on the cross it was all done through the cross jesus finished the work on the cross now our appropriation listen it's gonna get a little deep here our appropriation of the cross is progressive 
We are currently being sanctified, but what Jesus did is not progressive. It's complete and it's perfect, finished and done with, okay? Now our process is of sanctification is in progress, but the work of the cross is not in progress. It's already finished. Christ finished the work. And there's always more available to, uh, available to us through the cross than we are utilizing. Romans 6.6 6 says our old, man was, our old man was crucified with him on the cross. Galatians 5.24 says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, where do you get crucified? You get crucified on the cross. This is the power of the cross. So until we learn to apply the cross to our carnal nature, our carnal nature will master us. Listen to me. If you don't learn how to crucify your flesh, your flesh will master you and you will always be a puppet to the work of the enemy. Your carnal nature must be crucified. And what you once you grasp, what Jesus accomplished on the cross in your life, the devil becomes defeated. You no longer live subject to what he tells you or tries to do because you know the power you have in Christ. Galatians 3.1, listen to this. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you that you should not obey the truth before, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So listen to what Paul is saying. Witchcraft had been cast on the church and in turn it caused the cross to be obscured once the church loses sight of the work of the cross it can no longer declare jesus's victory over satan so what does witchcraft do it causes the the work of the cross to be blurred it causes the work of the cross to be obscured and it causes people not to preach the cross think about this when we do altar call who wants to get saved? You all heard this on Easter. Praise the Lord. Invite Jesus to be in your heart. Did your pastor ever say, who wants to come get on the cross? Did your pastor ever say, who wants to die to self? Did he ever say, God wants to deliver you from this present age? No, it was about Jesus coming into your heart, adding to your life and buying you a new BMW. But there was no word of die on the cross, crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, resurrected with Christ because the devil is working to make sure the cross is not mentioned in our churches. The cross is not preached behind our pulpits. We do not preach death. But the best thing you can ever tell an unsaved person is guess what? You can die. You can start over. Because here's the thing, guys. If you came up to me when I was in the world and said, Jesus loves you, you know my response? Praise God. I love me too. I didn't need to hear God love me. I needed to hear, guess what? You can die to your old self. That old, addicted, angry, depressed, bitter, racist Isaiah could die and you can become a new person. Well, how do I die? Through the power of the cross. You get to start over. You get a brand new life. I can't shout this jump or yell enough because there is power. That's the gospel. The gospel is not invite Jesus in your heart. The gospel is Acts 2.38. Repent of your sin. Die with Christ. Get on the cross and start over. So let's talk about the things that the cross delivers us from and why the cross is such a powerful weapon. Write this down. Number one, you've never, I'm telling you, no one's ever told you this. Number one, the power of the cross. It delivers us, write this down, from this present evil age, okay? The cross delivers us from this present evil age. Where does that at? Galatians 1.3. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might, okay, so he gives himself on the cross 
So here's what he might do, the Bible says, so that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Now we read that and go, oh, that's cool, but we don't actually understand what it says. By the cross, you've been delivered from this current world, the current culture, the current system, the current destructive nature. Through the cross, God brings us out of the world systems. Come on, is this helping me, anyone? Type one. I remember getting saved and all of a sudden every dream, every ambition, every worldly desire I had was gone. And for many in the church, our desires are the same as the world's. Our love is the same as the world's. Our hope and ambitions is the same as the world's. Let's think about this. Look at how we raise our kids. They get a job. We tell them to get a career. Come on, let's get real. I'm telling you, no other preacher's gonna tell you this. I'm just telling you, get a job, get a career, get a family, get a car, do your eight to 10 years in college, get your, your nice job, get, your, get all your stuff. And when you're done with all of that, then you can serve God. So after all of that, your peak time, your prime time in life, after you've done all your stuff, you climb to the top of court, now settle down, go to church on Sunday and give God your 8% or whatever it is you give them and kind of live a normal life. But friend, here's what you have to understand. The cross, the true cross, delivers you from this evil present age, this present culture. So what is the present age? Now the present age changes, but the present age of 2021 is a certain culture. It's a social media culture. It's a get a job culture, get a career culture, be successful culture. And when you go show off and brag about your kids, very few of us are bragging about what they're doing for God. We're bragging about the new car, the new house, the new career, the new job. Friend, listen, I'm going to say it blunt because tonight I'm, I'm preaching strong because we're exposing the enemy. You are still of this age and you have not been delivered from this world. The cross delivers us from being a part and, and, and having to compete and run on the hamster wheel. John 15, 19. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. The words of Jesus is, you're not of this world, that you're not the world. You've been delivered, I brought you out. And because you're not of them, they do not like you, they hate you. So stop gaining acceptance into a system that is supposed to hate you. The reason why the system doesn't hate you is because you're in it because you've not allowed the cross to deliver you from this present age. Jesus is going, I'm trying to bring you out of the system. The world system is so exhausting and so depressing. Aren't you tired of living on the hamster wheel? Jesus drew the line of total separation and between you and the world, the church and the world and says, I'm bringing you out of the system. The more the church is submitted to God, the more the world is going to hate us. But friend, you need to choose what side you're on. God wants to deliver you from this age through the cross. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So understand the God of this age, this current evil system, have been blinded by the enemy and the Bible says Satan is the God of this age. And God says, I'm coming to deliver you. So number one, the cross delivers us from this current evil age. 
Now, Hebrews 6, 4 says, for it's impossible for those that were once enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. So the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to taste the age to come, even though we are living in a present evil age. Right now, we're living in an evil age. So ask the Lord, deliver me from this evil age. Now, you guys have heard me before. My dream for my kids. Let me say it. I'm going to freak all you out. Okay, and you might have to tell your kids after Isaiah's crazy, don't listen to him because what I'm about to say, my hope for my kids is not that they would go to college. Listen to me very closely, okay? I got raised, work hard. I graduated high school at 16. I graduated college at 19. Um, all of my siblings, we all graduated college. We all worked hard. We did all of it, okay? So I believe in that work ethic. Praise the Lord. But let me just tell you my dream for my kids according to what I read in scripture and what God has delivered me from is not that my kids would go to college. Is not that they'd have a good job. My dream goal for my kids is that they would serve the Lord in whatever that means. Now, if God wants them to become a doctor and to serve him in the medical field, that's my dream. If God wants them to become a police officer or wants them to become a business owner or wants them, what I literally, a veterinarian, I don't care. That's my dream. If God wants them to become a missionary in India and no one ever know their name and they get martyred on the mission field, that's my dream. When I've had my kids, I have, me and my wife have over and over they're yours, Lord. My prayer always for my kid. Every time I pray for them is, they're yours. They're not mine. And I don't care if they go to college. I don't care. I, my dream is that every single one of them would work for the ministry for their entire life, work for the ministry and serve God. If they never go to college, if they never have a huge house, if they never have a fancy car, if they never have the American dream, I want them to do the calling that God has. And I want them to be delivered from the system. Are you guys hearing me? Delivered from the hamster wheel. Delivered from corporate America. Get out of this idea of like, I have to do this and that. Why? When the cross wants to deliver you from this present age and wants to give you a life in God that is so much more satisfying and so much more pleasing. Well, brother, the world's not gonna understand. I already read you the verse. Of course, they're not gonna understand. Jesus said, you've already come out of the world. Of course, they hate you. Of course, your friends at work think that your kids are failures because they're missionaries. Oh, that's cute. Your kids are going on a mission field. My kid's going to Harvard. I could care less if my kid's going to Harvard. I would rather him know how to drive out a demon than go to Harvard. Why? Isaiah, you're being too radical. No, I'm being too biblical for you. And you're so wrapped up in this present world and the systems of this world that you still think that success in the eyes of the world is success to God and God can care less about the things of this world okay this is radical preaching you're not gonna get anywhere if i'm making you mad just wear the conviction okay wear run walk down the runway with it just wear it the shoe fits just wear it but i my prayer to you is that the lord would deliver you and stop putting these expectations on your kids that they have to be what you were and when you were a kid you were in the great depression well guess what friend we're not in the great depression okay so we don't have to be cheap we don't have to squander all our money and we don't have to just work and work 12 hours a day like our our generation before us and praise the lord they did but god is raising up a new breed that's wild for god and that says lord i'll do whatever you want me to do send me like 50 years ago you were not successful if you were a missionary I want my kids, my family to be raised knowing, listen, you can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be a missionary, if you want to be a worship leader, you are just as successful as a surgeon or as whatever, a lawyer, praise the Lord. And I have family members that are listening right now that are lawyers, that are doctors, that are successful, and I love it and praise God, and that's what God's called them to do. 
But just know, don't put that pressure on your kids because they need to fit into this age. Because number one, the cross delivers us from this present evil age. Number two, the cross delivers us from the law. Okay, write it down, deliverance from the law. The cross brought us deliverance from living under the law. Galatians 2.19, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. So for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Okay, I know it sounds complicated, it's not. Basically what it's saying is I'm dead to the law and because I'm dead to the law, I can now live for God. When Christ died, I died to the law. And because my old man, remember, is crucified with Christ, I no longer live under the power of the religious system. The worst thing the law can do to you, the worst thing the law can do was to put you to death, right? Like the worst thing of all the laws, and I've studied them because I went to Bible college, the worst thing was be put to death. If you read your Bible in the Old Testament, there's a lot of things you can do to be put to death. If you do this, you're put to death. If you do that, you're stoned. If you do that. So the worst thing that can happen is you die. Now, once the law puts you to death, it can do nothing more to you. So if a person is executed, they're no longer subject to the law. Does that make sense? Is that easy to grasp? So the only way out of the law is death. That's the only way to get out of it. The only way I can get out of living under the law that God created was through death. So are you seeing this? Through Christ dying, because remember what the Bible says, we died with him on that cross because we've been crucified with Christ. Through the death on the cross, I've now died to the law because the, oh, this is good old school preaching because the only way out of the law is death and I died through Christ. So that's how I escaped the law. How did Isaiah Saldivar get out of the law? I died with Christ on the cross and now the law can't do anything to me because the worst thing that can happen is death and I've died with Christ. Galatians 2.19, I through the law am dead to the law. The law has no power over me any longer. I've been separated by death uh, by death what Jesus did on the cross so that death separated me from the law so this is how I get delivered by the power of the law Romans 6 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you why for you're not under the law but under grace so sin no longer has that dominion that power but it had it under me because of the law but remember I'm not under the law I'm under grace because I died with Christ so you can obey God I can obey God. None of us could obey the law. This is where grace comes in and empowers you to live a righteous life. And I thank God. Can I get a thank God that we don't live under the law any longer? Because if you read your Bible and you've read the law, it's a terrible thing to live under the law. So that's the second thing delivers us from the law. The third thing, the cross. This is your secret weapon, okay? The third thing. Oh man, this is so good. I'm preaching strong tonight. The third thing, I'm blessing myself. The third thing that the law, that the cross does, the third power the cross does, is it delivers you from self, okay? Third thing, the cross delivers you from self. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. I look back. Think about this, guys. I'm not going deep here. I look back at the old Isaiah Saldivar and I say, thank God that that man died. I'm so grateful that the cross delivered me from that person. Can I get a one in the chat only if you look back on the old, angry, bitter, depressed, addicted you and you're so thankful the person that you were 
is not the person you are because through the power of the death of what Jesus did on the cross, you are no longer you. You got delivered from self. Anyone else look back on their old man and say, wow, I'm so glad that person is dead. I'm so glad that they are no longer alive because I've been delivered by the power of the cross. When you're dead to self, you can't be offended. You can't be bitter and you're very hard to upset because you don't have any preferences. You have no preferences. You're, you've died to self. You're completely all about Christ. God wants to deliver you from you. Let me tell you why you're still getting offended. Let me tell you why you still have preferences. Let me tell you why you still get bitter and angry and you lash out and you're still gluttonous and you're still resentful and you have all these issues going on because you're still alive. Okay, because the church has taught you not to die to yourself, but to enhance yourself. You're like, oh, just do this, self-help, get better here, get better here, get better here. And Christ says, you need to die. That's the problem is you're not dead. And when you understand the power of the cross and you die to self and God delivers you from self, you're able to live a victorious life in Christ. God wants you to live that victorious life. So number three is deliverance from self. Number four, final one, and we're going to close. We've gone an hour and 20, hour and 23 minutes. Praise the Lord. I'm giving you guys a lot of verses tonight. Number four, and this is like, this is like two in one here. Deliverance from the flesh. That's the fourth thing that secret power, the secret weapon of the cross we don't talk about does. It delivers you from the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, and those who are Christ have been crucified. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay. So when you're, you apply the power of the cross, you crucify the passions and desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do these things that you wish. The flesh is the part of you that doesn't want to serve God. Okay, if you're like, what is the flesh? It's the part that doesn't want to serve God. It doesn't want to pray. It fights you every time you try to live holy. It fights you every time you try to break a relationship. It fights you every time you try to fast. It entices you. It drags you away. It gives you cravings. It wants you to get back on the website. It wants you to get back with the guy. It wants you to start cheating again. It wants you to start being deceptive again. It tempts you and it pleads with you to leave it around. But the cross crucifies Galatians 5.17, Galatians 5.24. It's the power of the cross. It removes those desires and that pull. Romans 8, 8 says that, they, that those flesh can't please God. So if you're in the flesh, the Bible says Romans 8, 8, you cannot please God. The anger, the greed, sexual lust, fluctuating, coveting, jealousy, resentment, bitterness. These are works of the flesh. These are things the flesh does. And if you're controlled by the spirit, you must put these things to death. God wants to free you from the flesh tonight by the power of the cross. I'm telling you, friend, that there is infinite power that God wants to keep unlocking in the cross. We don't talk about it. We don't preach about it. We don't think about it. But when you start applying the power of the cross, this is our major triumph over the enemy. Now, we talked about Lucifer and Satan, but we also talked about the power of the cross because that is our power against the enemy. That is our power against Satan and his works. So let us pray now that we would appropriate the power of the cross. And some of you right now, listen, you need to get delivered. You need to get free from the power of the flesh, from the power of self, from the power of the enemy. Whatever powers are you're dealing with, 
It's only by the cross that God can set you free, that God can deliver you, and that you can put these works. Now listen, if you're in the broadcast, 3,400 of you, praise the Lord. Um, this is one of the biggest, I had a feeling if we move it from Friday to Monday, it was gonna be huge like this. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we just need to change it to Monday Night Fire for a while, and then Tuesday Night Podcast and Friday Night Collins. I don't know, I just like, if we're having 3,500 on Monday night, and 2,200 on Friday, I don't know, maybe it'll be more effective. We'll see what happens. But I want you guys to understand something. If we're going to be triumphed over the enemy, triumphed over his power. We're going to have to get delivered from pride. We're going to have to get delivered from the powers of self, the powers of this age. Let God deliver you tonight from the powers of this age. Let God deliver you tonight from the powers of the enemy. Let God deliver you tonight from the hand of darkness. We are not just exposing the enemy and talking about him. We're giving you tools. I just gave you four tools of deliverance with the power of the cross to get free from these things, these strategies of the enemy. God wants to free you. So Father, we pray. And my voice, guys, I'm just telling you guys, because I've been sick all week, I didn't eat for three days. Uh, my voice is weak, my body's weak. Bear with me, we're gonna pray through this and we're gonna see breakthrough. Father, we pray and you gotta pray with me here. We just pray, Lord, that you would release your power, that you'd release it. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you and if there's anyone watching just right now, you say, I need to get on that cross. I need to die to self. Now's your moment. I'm not gonna lead you through the sinner's prayer. Now's your moment to repent and say, I need to serve God. I need to be crucified from this age. My desires, my ambitions have been on this, this world, this age. I need to crucify them, crucify the flesh, crucify self. And we need to right now just get on that cross. Father, we ask you right now that we would get on the cross with you, that we would die with you, that your word says that we've been crucified with Christ. So Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, release your power. In Jesus' name, release your anointing. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would begin to deal with people wherever they're at god i just pray that you would have your way right now wherever they're at have your way in the mighty name of jesus we break every power of the enemy we expose every power of the enemy satan you are bound we put the cross against you the cross is the defeating factor that you were made a you were put to shame you were disarmed at the cross the bible says that the enemy was disarmed all of his weapons had to be put down so right now in the name of Jesus, we disarm every power. We disarm every principality. We disarm every ruling demon that thinks that it has control over you right now. And we apply the power of the cross. And we, we right now, we deliver, Lord. We pray you would deliver us from self. You deliver us from the law. Those of us that are still under the law, you deliver us from the power of this age. And you deliver us from the flesh. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray deliverance. We pray breakthrough. We just say, God, have your way right now. I pray for myself, God. If there's any pride in my heart, search it out and break pride. Come on, this was the original sin. This was the sin that happened in heaven. Ask the Lord to break the pride right now. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, that you would break pride. In Jesus' name, break the pride right now. Some of you men, you just need to break your pride. You know you have pride. You've been proud. Even as I'm preaching, you're like, this doesn't apply to me. I don't need this. It's not relevant. Right now, let God break the pride. Let God break the pride in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we break you, pride. You have no power. You have no authority. The Lord rebukes you right now in Jesus' name. Right now, we come against the spirit of pride. Lord, remove pride out of every leader, out of every pastor, out of every school teacher, every business person, every mom, every dad, every husband, every wife. Remove pride in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, let us be humble. I pray, I'm praying for myself, y'all. You gotta pray for yourself. You gotta work out your own salvation. 
Lord, I pray for myself, humility. Let me never get proud. I pray, God, search me out. Let me never get proud. I pray you would deliver us from vanity in Jesus' name. Lord, those things that are vain, I pray that you would break them right now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name, break vanity right now. The love of self, I pray that you would break it. The Bible says in those last days that men will love self. I pray that you break it right now and expose the works of the enemy. Deliver us, God. Some of us are in Satanism right now and we think we're Christians because we don't realize we're worshiping self and we're the God of our own life. That is that is the core of Satanism. I'm telling you right now, that is what Anton LaVey, the one that founded the church of Satan, believed. Be your own God. And if you do not submit to the Lordship of Jesus, you are your own God and you are following the path of Satanism and, not, and you don't even know it. And I'm not being radical. I'm not, that is not far out. That is not a stretch. That is the truth that no one else is willing to tell you. And God, I just pray that you would break it in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.